Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, Denise and I are going to be talking about a topic that you all have emailed and Facebook messaged us about for quite a long time, so we hope you guys enjoy this. We're going to be discussing how do you tell if information, thoughts that are coming to you are from your intuition or your ego. And Denise, I thought it would be good for each of us to give our own general definition of the ego. I think that's so good. Because I feel, I feel that the ego gets a bad rap. What do you think? I agree. And as you mentioned before we got on the air, there's some very positive things about the ego that can get all clumped under that the umbrella that it's all bad and it's coming from, from a self-serving place, and that isn't always the case. No, it's not. And so I just, I'd like to start with just some of the positive aspects of the ego before we start to trample on it. I do feel that the new age, (laughs) I do feel that the new age spiritual community has really vilified or demonized the ego. And I understand that. I understand why that has been done. But I remember when I was in middle school, my favorite teacher was Sister Catherine. She was just so lovely and comforting and a, a gentle guiding force for me. But whenever kids got into a fight or they argued over who had a better grade, she would always say, uh-uh-uh, pride goeth before the fall. And then one time I got picked to crown Mary my eighth grade year. It was a really big deal. It was a huge honor in my life. I really treasured that experience. And after that day, Sister Catherine gave me a hug and she said, I'm really proud of you. And in keeping with the annoying kid I was, I said, well, Sister Catherine, I need to talk to you about that then. How can pride be good, like you just giving me that lovely compliment, but how can it be bad, like when you tell Scott and Kevin to stop fighting over who has the better grade? And she just kind of rolled her eyes and said, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) (laughs) Default non-answer. Okay. Yeah. I love her. No, just no, no uh, negativity towards her. But I've always wondered that, you know, because pride, we're always told, don't be too prideful. Pride will bring you down. Pride goes before the fall. And yet, whenever we're so happy for someone's accomplishments, we'll, we'll say, I'm so proud of you. I think pride is a lot like the ego, where there's good aspects to it but we tend to focus too much on the negative aspects. I was saying to you before we hit record, you and I would not be doing this show if we didn't have an ego. There's a positive part of us that says, hey, we think we're pretty good teachers, and we think we know kind of a lot of good stuff about being intuitive and empathic and spiritual, and we think we're ready to share this with other people. That's ego. There is some spirituality and service in there for sure, but there's some ego too. And that's a good thing. Those of you listening right now, think about some of the big risks you've taken in your life, leaving that job or going up to that person you think is really cute and asking them to meet you for coffee or going into a gym and saying, I'm ready to get into shape. What do I need to do? Where do I sign? That's not necessarily your spirit always talking to you in those examples. A lot of that has your ego in it. So our ego can propel us to do some really good things, to take some risks, to put ourselves first. Our ego can say it's okay to want to win, and and that really is okay. What do you think about that? Do you think it's true that sometimes an ego is a good thing? I, I agree, and what flashed in my head as I was thinking about being a little child and you know if hearing don't get a big head don't brag about yourself don't and and I think that so many of us got those messages and now we're trying to do exactly what you just said find the positive aspects of, of embracing our ego and seeing it as a good thing that can help us reach goals that can help us step away from keeping ourselves small or limited but we're trying to counteract what we've believed or heard for many, many, many years 
from family of origin or from other or from teachers or from siblings or from friends and I think for some of us it's a really steep learning curve it really is you know there's this episode from the Amy Schumer show that is so hilarious I think you can YouTube it because it's pretty popular but it's a bunch of women meeting on a street in the city and one woman walks up to the other and gives her a compliment I love your new outfit that's awesome and the woman says, oh, are you kidding me? It looks like I just ripped this off a homeless person's back. I'm so rancid. It's awful. And then she turns to the other friend, but your hair looks amazing. Oh, please, I can't even get a comb through it. So they're all complimenting each other and rejecting the compliments. Mm -hmm. And then one woman comes up to join the group, and they all turn to her and give her a compliment. And she smiles and says, thank you. And the other women explode. They literally, you know, it's the Amy Schumer show. So they actually explode. But, I, you know, it's, it's very, it's an inappropriate clip. There's a lot of swear words in it. So I'm not suggesting you show this to your kids. But I have three teenage girls. So I did show it to them because I'm trying to teach them to accept compliments. Mm-hmm. My girls, for example, they're known for their hair. People are always coming up to them going, I love your hair. Oh, my gosh, is that natural? And they'll always say, oh, no, it's awful. It, humidity ruins it. Rain ruins it. You wouldn't want this curly hair. And I'm trying to teach them just to say thank you. Right. Just that's it. Thank you. But I think women in particular, and I'm sure men struggle with this too, but with women, it's like, it's like there's some unwritten book that we subconsciously pass around to each other starting in middle school that says, you have to be beautiful and thin and perfect and smart, but at the same time, you have to pretend that you're completely unaware of these facts. That's a good point. And I think part of embracing the ego before we even get into discerning what's ego versus intuition, I think you have to embrace the positive side of your ego. But Carl Jung always says, whatever you resist will continue in your life. So if you're resisting the positive aspects of your ego, it's going to get louder and louder and louder. So I would just recommend before we um, go into our, here's how the ego is awful and is ruining your life, just look at some of the positive things that your ego has brought you. Right, because the real root of of ego is to keep you safe. That's that's truly, it may be rooted in fear, it may be, that we put self-imposed limitations on ourselves. But I think the original point of the ego was to keep us safe and keep us aware in a different way than to, to rational thought. So I, I agree with you. And seeing it as a tool, just like anything else, and not as a detriment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that, And you're right. The ego is rooted in our fight or flight syndrome. It protects us. It shields us. And that's what it's trying to do. You know, what I was thinking about what I wanted to say for this episode, Denise, I always like to use metaphorical examples. And the only thing that kept coming to me was to picture two moms. You know that one mom who's always wringing her hands and is like, oh, it's going to be cold today. Don't forget a scarf. Did you remember your water? Because you you need water when you're at school. Did you forget your homework? Oh, don't worry. I did it for you. Don't forget (laughs) to raise your hand. Ask your teacher. That's your ego. And then you know those moms who are like so chill and laid back and spiritual and they're like, oh, honey, you'll be fine. Just ask your angels to help you with that test. Don't worry about it. If you get cold... You can just imagine a warm breeze. You know those chill, mm-hmm. chillaxing moms that exist out there somewhere? That's more like your intuition. And so it yeah. might help to kind of personify your ego and your intuition so that you can start to learn to discern between the two. And like anything else, there needs to be a balance between the two. Yeah. Everything comes back to balance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to give some examples. And I, and I know you have some examples, too, of looking at intuition versus ego. First of all, most people agree that if the ego had a home, it would be in our mind, in our brain, because the ego is always thinking, it's always plotting, it's always planning, it's always projecting. And if the intuition had a home, it lives either in your gut, your solar plexus chakra, 
or in your heart. And so just kind of thinking about where is this emotion coming from might start to help you figure out, is this my intuition talking to me or my ego? So let's just take some examples. Let's say, for example, that you show up to that gym, like I mentioned before, and you say, okay, I'm going to join this gym and I'm going to get into shape. The intuition is encouraging you to do that so you can get healthy. The ego is encouraging you to do that so that you can look good. And the ego is telling you, summer's coming, you're going to look like a bag of potatoes in that swimsuit if you don't get to the gym. Whereas intuition is saying, this is going to make you feel good, it's going to give you endorphins and energy. So you want to look at the thoughts that are coming up around an idea you have for your life. Let's say you're like, okay, I've been single for a while. I think I'm ready to get back out there. The intuition is telling you, yes, do that. A relationship is great. Everybody needs love. You can share and connect with someone. Let's do this. The ego is saying, yeah, lady, you need a relationship or you're going to be alone with 50 cats in two years. (laughs) You want to look at the emotion around the thought that you're having. If you're thinking about starting your own business, the intuition is saying, yes, this is a great idea. You can help others. You can really fulfill your sole purpose. You can enjoy personal freedom. The ego is saying, yep, and you can make a lot of money too, and you can knock all the competition out, and we can just go, go, go. If, for example, you're having a lot of headaches, the intuition is saying, oh, dear one, you need more rest. You need to practice self-care. You need to close your eyes more. The ego is saying, holy shit, you've got cancer, you've got a brain tumor, you need to get to the doctor now. So do you see the difference in those examples? Very much so. And a lot of times the ego will be really heavily conditioned by society, from past experiences, from culture, from fear, whereas your intuition is more innate. It's gentler, it's softer. The ego, if we're talking about it in these parameters, it can feel a little harsher, it can be louder. It can. It's the, that seed of doubt that we plant within ourselves that will keep us from stepping in. And when you use the gym example, how many countless people say, well, I need to get in better shape before I go to the gym because I don't want to look this way in front of other people, kind of negating the whole purpose of going to the gym. But if someone has a serious weight issue or they're feeling self-conscious about their body image or whatever it might be, the ego will keep them from taking that step to honor their intuition and empower themselves. Yeah. And I can, I can prove that, Denise. Have you ever, well, this is a stupid question. Have you ever not felt good about your body? I mean, who, <laughs> maybe, maybe Giselle is like, no, I've never not felt confident about my body. But you know where there's those certain periods of your life where you know you're not looking your best and you feel kind of out of shape and overweight and sluggish? Mm-hmm. But then 10, 15 years goes by and you look back at those photos and you think, I was pretty good then. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have those moments? I remember after my second pregnancy, that's when I gained my most weight, my little Tori who was so happy to stay in my belly and eat and eat and eat. And I remember after I had her, I just felt so gross and I never wanted to be in any photos. And I read an article by um, ooh, that, that lady who photographs all those babies. Oh, uh, uh, Ann, is it Ann Yeah, Ann something. Anne? Yeah. Yes, that's it, that's it. And the interviewer asked her, what is the number one advice you can give to moms photographing their babies? And she said, get in the picture. And she said, I don't care what you look like, how you feel, you will get in the picture because your kids are never going to remember you at that age. And it's important for them to see you um, with them. And I thought, wow. So I started getting in the picture, even though I'd look at it and go, wow, I didn't know you could gain that much weight in your face. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, 15 years later, I look back at those photos and I think, Samantha, you look just fine. Like, shut up. What was your ego doing to you then? Oh, I'm just going to put throw it out there that we, we always kind of wrap around to this topic, but for younger people who are empathic with the impact of social media on how they look or how they're acting or how they're presenting, that's huge. That is so, so, so huge to consider. It really is. That, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Let's talk about your intuition and how to focus on that a little bit as well. Because you were saying before 
that the ego protects. Well, if the ego is protecting us, I feel that the intuition is guiding us. It's kind of like our inner compass. Would you agree with that? Very, very much so, yes. And a lot of times ego, well, I'm just going to say another comment about that, is, well, it's, as I said, it's that seed of doubt, but it will, um, worst case scenario, or when you start double-guessing a decision, or getting on that loop tape of making yourself a little batshit over, oh, well, this might happen, or that could happen, Whereas intuition will be more instantaneous, it's more gentle, it's more felt than heard. And, and not in a, a sense of clear audience, but you just, it feels gentler. It feels like, okay, this is, and it's, so if you're trying to make a big decision and boom, something pops into your head and you say, yes, that feels right for me. That's your intuition. But your ego will piggyback on that so damn fast with, oh, but all these things could go wrong and, and this might happen and you don't have enough money or you're, why would you want to risk putting yourself out there? So I think a lot of times intuition will, especially for, for a lot of us as empathic people, will lead the way, but then ego jumps in so damn fast that it becomes hard to differentiate. Yeah, and the ego is really loud. It's also a really great way to decide, is this my intuition or my ego? The intuition, the message from your intuitive self remains the same, whereas the message from your ego changes all the time. Like take, for example, when I was happily teaching at the community college and I felt very normal and safe and secure and that I fit into this weird world we all live in. And then I started getting this intuitive nudge to do more of the intuitive work and actually put myself out there as an intuitive who does readings, my ego jumped in right away. Well, you won't have benefits. How will you give benefits, help benefits to your family? You'll lose putting into your retirement package. It was all this money stuff. And when I worked through that and closed my ego down with the money fears, it switched tactics. Well, people are going to judge you. They're going to think you're weird. What happens when your priest finds out? What are people going to say at your kid's school? What are your friends going to say? And then when I worked through all of that, it switched tactics again. And throughout all of that, my intuition, the message from that remained the same. And the message I kept hearing from my intuition was, you are enough. And you know, it's funny because I get that a lot. And Whenever I um, sell products on my website and I package them up, I always put a quote on the, on the back of the package. And I, I do that for the person receiving the order. But I also, I also have this little hope that some bored mail carrier is just kind of having this humdrum day and thinking, God, if I only had a sign. And, and I just hope that they see that package and they read this inspirational quote and it just kind of uplifts their day. So that's the other reason why I do it. So I switch up the quotes all the time, like a lot, to the point where it kind of annoys me. And the other day I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking I should just have one quote and just put it on all my packages and like get a stamp or something. And I thought, okay, well, Samantha, what, what would be one message you would want everyone to know and embrace? And that's what kept coming up. You are enough. Because that covers I think that's almost like, it does. And I think it's like the antidote to the ego because the ego is always telling us we aren't enough. At least that's what it tells me. The minute I reach a goal that I've been trying to manifest, the ego is happy for about five minutes. And then it's like, okay, now you can do, now you need to strive for this. Now you need to shoot for that. I think what makes it really difficult too is the ego is coming from such a place of logic. So if you're trying to wrestle with a decision and you're coming, because those are very valid reasons that you gave about not leaving the community college. Will I have enough money? What about my future financial goals? What about, you know, will I, if, if something happens and I need that medical coverage, that's all very grounded. And it goes back to, that's what we're conditioned to count on. That's what we're conditioned to work towards. And also it, it's a safety valve, but, Sometimes we fall into groups of people where that's their default position is to come from a place of logic. So here we come, you know, not airy-fairy, but nope, I'm just going to trust my gut. I'm going to leap off this precipice. It's going to be okay. 
And people look at us like they need to get someone with a white jacket to help us out of the room. Right. And I think, too, that for intuition, it's that more creative side. It is instantaneous. It is, it feels gentler and calmer and more in peace. But one of the ways to, to kind of test your intuition, and I used to say this to one of my sons when he'd get upset, I'd say, sleep on it and see what you get in the morning. And it worked every damn time. And he and I'd say, well, what's your answer this morning? And he'd say, it's this. And he would be so centered with it and so, okay, I feel better. So that's really a very useful tip is we say that to our kids or we'll say to other people, oh, I need to sleep on it. That's really a nice way to let your intuition work during dream time or during your rest time or when you've shut off the logical part of your brain while you're asleep. Sometimes with intuition, it will, okay, your example of I really want to have my own business, you might not get immediate gratification from that. Whereas the ego wants now. They want to know now, am I going to be successful? Am I going to win? Am I going to make enough money? Whereas your intuition will say, it's going to be okay. This feels right. Just start walking in that direction and it'll fall into place. And not to the point of, of making inane choices that really are, because I think, I think the ego can masquerade as intuition. I really do. I think it can sneak under the door like smoke sometimes and we'll think it's our intuition, but actually it's ego being a little insidious. I think that's absolutely spot on. And, you know, especially for us empaths, we often have a hard time, more so than the average person, discerning between the two because we're so focused on pleasing others. And I don't know if it's subconscious or conscious or automatic, but empaths are really good at matching the emotions of others. So if you're around a lot of worrisome, critical, fearful people, empaths naturally match that emotion. And they have, I think we have to fight harder than most people to quiet down that ego and that innate desire to please others so that we can tune into our intuition. So sometimes you have to think, is this my ego or someone else's ego that's putting this pressure on me? So a lot of discernment needs to go on. With intuition, the focus is more on your feelings and your hunches. And with ego, the focus is more on critical, worrisome, or guilty thoughts. So a great thing to do is to meditate for 10 minutes. And I don't mean you sit there and you repeat a mantra or you sit there and you try to have silence for 10 minutes, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just suggesting that you set a timer for 10 minutes and you don't have any music or any sound, or any guided meditation, nothing. You're just sitting there for 10 minutes. And you don't try to push the thoughts away. You let all of them come. And you just sit with them. You don't agree with them. You don't argue with them. Now, you just sit with them, sit and let every thought come to your mind. And when you're done, write them all down. Write down every thought that popped into your head. I don't care how stupid. I don't care if you're sitting there and your neighbor's car alarm goes off and you go, man, I hate that neighbor. He is forever turning that car alarm off. Fine, write that down. That's going to teach you something. Write down every single thought and then look at those thoughts and ask, is this true? Is this true for me or is this true for my ego? Now, something else I have done, Denise, and don't laugh or judge me because <laughs> my ego can't take it, but <laughs> I have named my intuition and I have named my ego. Oh. So I named my, I named my intuition Samsara. I have no idea where that name came from. I just asked and that's what popped into my head. I named my ego Roger, because that Roger Ebert guy, remember who used to do the two thumbs up or two thumbs yeah. down for movie critics? Okay, I used to watch that show when I was a kid, and I just remember that he hated 90% of the movies that came out, so he's always what pops into my head when I think of a critic. So I named my ego Roger. So something that I do often if I'm trying to make an important decision and I can't tell if this is my intuition or my ego is all right in my journal, dear Roger, what are you worried about right now? What are you afraid of? And I just let Roger talk to me, my ego side. 
And then when I'm done with that, sometimes I'll just leave it and walk away. And then I'll go back and I'll write, Dear Sincera, what are you trying to tell me? Personifying the two, if you're a literal person like I am, if you're the type of person who learns best through parables and stories and personal experiences, I think personifying your ego and your intuition could really help you a lot. I know it's helped me and served me well. That's a great suggestion. Well, you know, because what happens to so many of us with our ego is we either buy it right away. Yep, you're right. I am going to fail at this. Yes, I am a loser. Yep, I am going to look like crap in my swimsuit. Yeah, I don't have any psychic ability. We either buy it and agree with it right away. Or we spend so much time defending it and, and saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Whatever, you're dancing with your ego so much that you're not allowing your intuition to speak. And your intuition is like that wise, quiet, calm person who's not going to interrupt. So if you're ignoring your intuition, she's going to go, okay, I'm just going to sit here until you're ready to listen. And it's going to let the ego just kind of take over. If you sit with your ego and you make friends with your ego and you look at that Roger Ebert who lives in your head and you say, okay, you know what? You've got some good points and I understand that you're trying to protect me. I do need health benefits. I do need to make more money. I do need to exercise and feel better about myself. I do need to change jobs. Yeah, I do need to focus on my relationships. You're right. Now, tell me all of your fears. What, what's the worst thing that can happen? And you let your ego talk and get the attention that it's needing. You're going to start to dance better with your ego and then with your intuition. It's something my dad taught me because I was a really worried, worried kid. I used to worry about everything as a kid. And I would always go to my dad in the middle of the night and be like, Daddy, I can't sleep. And he would always say to me, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I'd say, I don't know, I don't want to think about that. And he'd say, no, 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 track it. Track it, Samantha. What's the worst thing that can happen? You got a really bad grade in math. What's the worst thing that can happen? I'm going to fail math. Okay, you fail math. What then? Well, I'll have to go to summer school, which will mean I'm like an outcast and a weirdo and a loser. Okay, so you go to summer school. What happens then? And he would just make me go through it, dive down and down and down into those fears until I saw it wasn't the worst thing and I could handle it even if it was the worst thing. And once he got me there, all the way down into the, into the depth of my despair, he would say, what can you do about it now? And I'd go, I, I don't know, nothing. You know how kids are, nothing. There's nothing I can do. I'm just screwed. And he'd go, no, can we get a math tutor? Well, I guess. Could you go see your math teacher? Maybe. You know, and he'd have me like, walk through how could you deal with this fear right now? And sometimes my fears, like I, when I was a little kid, Denise, my biggest fear was my parents dying. Did you ever have that fear? Not, no, no, not that I'm remembering right now. I mean, when I was like five, six, and seven, it was such a fear for me. And I would add up how old my parents were when their parents died. And then I would think, oh my gosh, I only have 30 more years with them. It was weird. I was a weird kid. And so there's nothing I could do about that now. And he would say to me, but he would still walk me through that fear. And he would say, okay, so what happens if one of us dies? What would happen? Well, I would be miserable. Okay, but how would you deal with it? And how could we still connect if I did die? And then he'd come up with a sign and he'd say, you know, I will always show you this sign if that ever does happen and I'll never leave you. And so he would have me face my worst fears. The, the ones that you really can't tackle or fix or heal, that really helped me. And it taught me through life to not ignore my fears, to not ignore my ego, but to sit with it. I, I didn't know it at the time, but really what he was teaching me was how Carl Jung wrote about embracing your shadow side. That's a beautiful gift. Have you done the same for your girls? Like gifted yeah, them with that? for gift? sure. Yeah. I do that with them all the time. And they're, they're very much like me. I mean, they have a lot of worries and anxieties. And they, they definitely, you know, as teenagers do, there's nothing I can do about it. This teacher stinks and I'm just going to fail. 
and then we walk through it. It's really good, especially if you are an anxious, worrisome kid that has grown up to be an adult. You can start it at any time, just walking into your ego and not fighting it, not uh, negating it, just listening to it. And I, for me anyway, the more I listen to my ego, the more quiet it gets so that I can hear my intuition. Now, sometimes, though, there are periods in our life where our ego takes over and our intuition gets really, really, really quiet. And you can tell if you're in that period, if you feel bad a lot of the time, if you feel guilty and worried, critical, judgmental, or fearful a lot of the time. Ego is ruling your world if you often feel worried and anxious, if you're focusing on the past a lot, going over and over and over, why didn't I, why couldn't I, why shouldn't I have done this, why couldn't have they done that, or if you're focusing too much on the future. The intuition is always focused on the now. If fears are holding you back from doing things you really want to do, your ego is in charge. It's in the driver's seat. You don't want your ego in the driver's seat. You don't want your intuition in the driver's seat either. You want you in the driver's seat. And you want the ego and the intuition in the back seat holding hands, taking turns, directing you. Because again, ego can be a good thing. Where would Oprah Winfrey be if she didn't have an ego? Well, hell, where would we be if Oprah didn't have an ego, right? Right. We need our ego. We just can't let it take over. I think ego often creates illusions. And then the logical mind pushes us to believe those illusions to be true. The examples you gave of, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be loved. I'm too old or young or fat or thin or I, I can't ever have what I want. Whatever little message you're getting that's coming from a place that puts you down or if you start making excuses or justifications for not doing something that you want. And what popped into my head when you were talking was the obsessive use of divination. And I was cracking myself up talking to someone yesterday because, and I think if any of you, you know, use a pendulum or cards or runes or look for signs, when we really are struggling that, that, big ass tennis match between our ego and our intuition we'll throw a card we're not getting the clear answer we're not getting the answer we want and it becomes obsessive use of divination to try to get the answer that we we don't even know what we want by the end of it and i think that that goes back to what you're saying about shutting it down shutting down roger opening up to your intuition sleep on it step away from it put down the cards whatever you need to do so that you can get back to your inner wisdom to make a decision and once you do make the decision based on your intuition, it will feel calm and right. You won't double guess it. You won't keep playing the loop tape of, oh, should I have spent that money on this? Or what if this happens? Or I, I, I can't believe I made that choice because you have connected with your own inner knowing. Another good question to ask is, are you holding yourself back in some part of your, your work or your social interactions out of fear of exposing yourself, of being vulnerable, of being too much, or that's, again, your ego sneaking in under the door. And I, I think so many of us are trying, we're finally, okay, I'm an empath, what do I do with it? One of the things that has saved me over and over, and a lot of the listeners, and we know this, and you and I have both shared this openly, we've been through some pretty dark stuff in our lives things that have buckled our knees, things, whether it's family of origin or relationships or financial despair, whatever that thing is that really buckled your knees, sometimes when it starts getting dark or your ego's in the way, my personal expression is, I've been to hell and this isn't it. And that will trigger me to shut it down and say, okay, you are making this into way too big a deal, Denise. You've been through things that are so much more difficult step away from the vehicle and give yourself some breathing room. So I think that's kind of a key with ego versus intuition is getting in that place where you force yourself to take a step back and see it from either a gentler perspective or not let it, the analogy of being in the driver's seat is perfect because we don't want to be driven by our ego. We don't want to blindly follow and then miss out on so much richness in our lives. I agree. Sometimes, I would love your perspective on this because sometimes I think the ego 
is telling you that you're either not ready for something or that you're so ready for something that it's, that it's so scary. And I think it's hard to determine, okay, is this ego telling me I'm not ready because I'm not ready? Or is it telling me I'm not ready because it's too scary? Right. Like, for example, I have, you know, I'm divorced now. I have not been on a first date since 1995. That's a long time. That's a hard one. And all my, it's a hard one. And my friends and my sisters are like, you've got to get back out there. You've got to go on a date. I'm not ready. And I always say to them, who's going to date a single mom with three kids who works as a psychic? And they laugh. But (laughs) that's like my, my reflexive answer. Do you know what I mean? Now, my intuition, I know there's someone out there. I know there's someone out there who wouldn't give a crap about all of that stuff. But my ego is screaming that so loud that I feel a part of that is saying, yeah, that's going to happen when you're ready, but you're not ready. But see, I think that you trust in your intuition with that to say, no, thank you for the nudge, but I'm not ready for this. And I, I think the, okay, the ego part of it is the excuses of why you're not wanting to do it or sort of the three girls or whatever it might be. But I'm going to still go to default with, I think your intuition is saying you need some time to heal and so you can bring in the person that will really be an equal partner in your life. Right, so, right. And so in that respect, I kind of feel like it's, it's that dance of your intuition is saying, or at least my intuition is saying to me, that will come when you're ready. That person is out there. And my ego is going to my reflexive, sarcastic, you know, self-deprecating humor to protect me until I'm ready. Exactly. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think we do that with relationships, with jobs, with financial decisions, with, with so many aspects of our lives. That, and that's one of the detriments to being so empathic is we feel everything so damn deeply that I think it gives, <laughs> it gives ego a hell of a diving board. It really does because we're so that hypersensitivity is a beautiful, beautiful thing for so many reasons, but I think it can also be a little crippling when it comes to ego overtaking. I agree. And I think you need to also look at patterns in your life and see where has my ego held me back the most? Is it with relationships? Is it with money? Is it with health stuff? Is it with career stuff? And if you start with the the main area of your life where your ego is in the driver's seat and start breaking that down into sizable bites where you can kind of knock it down and and break through and get that ego out of the driver's seat right because your ego wants you to be liked wants you to be successful fit in all of those things which those are natural things we're social animals of course we want that. We want, to, we want to be as much as we can be for our children or people that we love. So how you started the show with ego can be a very positive thing, but I think when that becomes, when that overpowers listening to our own inner knowing is when it becomes the conflict. Yeah. Yep. Your ego will also project it will project your fears onto situations in your life. It will project your criticisms and your judgments onto other things. That was something I learned early on when I was studying spirituality was to look at who and what you are judging because that's who and what your ego is judging about yourself. You know that old adage when you point a finger at someone, three fingers are pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. So if you start to look at okay, who, who, what are my pet peeves about people in, in my life? What are, what are the things that others do in life that annoy me? That will start to give you a clue as to where your ego is hyper-focused on criticizing you. And then you can start to look at those things. Okay, well, I can't stand people who spend money like it's you know, going out of style. Do you spend money flippantly? Are you, you know, hiding a judgment from yourself? Start to look at where you are judging people. Where are you projecting your egoic fears and criticisms 
and see what does that say about me? Whereas your intuition goes within. Your intuition is always focused on you and your purpose and what you're worthy of. Have you ever seen that professor? It's a pretty famous little clip that's gone around the internet. And he takes a $100 bill and he says, who wants this $100 bill? I'll give it to anyone who wants it. And everyone raises their hand. Mm-hmm. And then he like pours dirt on it and he uh, rips it a little and he crumbles it up and he spits on it. He puts it on the stage and he stomps on it. That $100 bill is all ratted out and tattered and worn. And he holds it up and he says, all right, now who wants this poor, decrepit little $100 bill? And everybody's hand goes up. And he says, you are this $100 bill. You started out in this world brand new, shiny, spanking new, and everybody wanted you. You know, you were a perfect $100 bill. Life may have brought you down. It may have stomped on you, spit on you, tossed dirt on you, tore you, but you're still worthy just as this $100 bill is still worthy of $100, even though I put it through all of this. I think that's a hard lesson for a lot of people to really embrace about themselves. And I think the ego is terrified of us embracing that about ourselves. That even though we may have been through shit storms in our life and feel as though we've been spit on and torn up and broken, we are still worthy. We are worthy of success and joy and love and health and abundance. It's our divine right as co-creators with the universe. Very well said. I think for a lot of people that both you and I have been talking to and doing readings with and friends and family that are really having these urges and these nudges to start the business, take the trip, make the move, you know, open their heart, lower the drawbridge, whatever that might be. This is such deep inner work because I'm thinking of someone in particular that no matter what I say, no matter how much I encourage until that becomes your own inner compass and you say, wow, I really am worth this. I am enough. I can do this. It's the big trap door is not going to open and suck me in. So I think starting to believe that stuff about ourselves is a crucial part of connecting with our intuition to lead us in the direction that we know we're ready to take and not be held back by the ego or by what, society may tell us we're supposed to be or should be yeah exactly because we have to ultimately think what is our whole goal in life really and truly what is our goal in life is it to have the most toys is it to be the prettiest is it to be the smartest the most successful when when you get to the end of your life when will you know you are enough when will you know you are worthy That's why I love that Jim Carrey quote when he says, my deepest wish is that everybody would get everything they wanted so they would learn it's not the answer to anything because stuff, things, accolades, awards, success, that's not what your intuition, your soul is seeking. That's what your ego is seeking because the ego is trying to protect us. Like you said, the ego is saying, the ego buys into this illusion of this world that we live in, that if you get the prizes, if you get the person, the right person, if you get the right job, the right car, the right house, blah, 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 then you will be safe. You will be protected. You will be considered successful and no one can touch you. But that's not true. We, no. How many times have we seen people in society reach the highest accolades and then be taken down in one day? with one failure or one bad mistake or decision and their whole career, everything they've done, everything gone. That goes back to the comparison of worrying about what will other people think of me. And I was just thinking about our judgment show. If that's, if that's someone's goal and their, their dream is I need to live at this address and have a Lamborghini in my driveway and that will make me happy, happy, happy. And I need to sit on a big pile of money like Scrooge McDuck. God love you, go for it. But if that's not your calling, then trust your heart to do what you came here to do, not fall into that pattern of, of what someone else may see as their level of success. Right. And 
find comfort in the fact that your intuition knows the way. Your intuition is your compass. It knows your worth. And it knows that you are already enough, that you are already loved, that you are already a success, that you are already perfect just as you are. And I mean that for everyone listening as much as I mean it for the homeless person I passed on my way home this morning who was begging for money or food or a job. We are all enough right where we are on our path. I think that is the hardest thing for most of us to embrace and understand but it's the truest thing right and as empaths it makes our lives a lot easier to navigate is when we honor that intuition and that what's pulling us in a direction and sometimes someone will bring something out that is their dream and i will think wow that's an interesting concept i would never in a million years think of of anything in that direction that's because it's not my resonance it doesn't that's not what I came here to do, but someone else did. And I, I really do, as hokey as it sounds, I really do think that everyone comes with something special to offer. I, I really do too. Truly I, believe I don't that. think that sounds hokey. And it might be, and what I'm thinking about is years and years and years ago, I, I worked in this little desert town in the middle of nowhere, and that one of the English teachers had, and I was teaching special services, that's what you know, my career was in, and there was a student who was very, pretty, fairly low, and she had everyone writing poems. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, we should be working on life skills, we should be working on job applications, we should be doing things that, I mean, that was just my teacher mind. So then they had this big event in the evening, and this, this young man who was, it was a high school level was quite quiet and reserved and really struggled with literacy, had the most heartfelt poem I mean, I had tears running down my face and I thought that came from his truth and his light that didn't have anything to do with functioning ability. It was, there was such purity in it. And I think that's the key with your intuition is it's your light. It's not, I mean, I can't live your life. You can't live mine. And it, we use this example a lot. You and I are both intuitive mediums and we go around it a different way but we get to the same place but we're honoring ourselves in the process and i think that's the key with the intuition is finding what your what your your light is i do that yeah. sometimes when i yeah. see what, people that i feel judgy about is i'll i'll think to myself see their light and i'll i'll like literally picture like a pilot light turning up in someone's chest like i'll see their light go on and i'll think okay that's what you need to see denise not their exterior or that they're, you know, think that they're better than someone else or whatever, because we're not, we're all in this together. You know, I was just telling a story that's kind of on point, I hope, to my kids last night at dinner. One of my daughters studied for about four hours for this science test. And I think she got an 86 or an 87. And she was really upset because she thought she'd nailed it and was going to ace it. And this kid who sits next to her, never studies, barely shows up to class, waltzes in and turns to her and goes, holy cow, we have a test today. And she's like, yeah, he takes the test and gets 100. So, of course, at <laughs> dinner last night, she's whining and complaining about that. It's not fair. So many people are naturally smart and I have to work so hard for it. And I was trying to explain to her that, you know, some people are just naturally good at things and not, not naturally good at others and I said look you can walk into an English test and ace it and never study for it so you have to work harder with science and math like rather than beating yourself up just just accept that and work with it and I was telling the story about this student I had years ago I, I used to teach developmental English I don't know what it's called now it used to be called remedial English I think they changed it again but if you go to community college and you take the the placement test, if you don't score high enough for the college level, you have to take developmental English. And it really sucks for the kid, to put it bluntly, because they have to sit with me five hours a week for 16 weeks and learn all this English stuff, and they don't get any college credit for it. Right. I mean, that's hard, right? So I had this one kid. She was a single mom. She worked really hard, and this was her third time taking this class. Oh. And she had failed it every other time. And she was failing it in my class, too. 
and she was just really, really struggling with her self-esteem and, you know, is this my path? What should I do? And I was, you know, helping her. She was getting extra help at the peer tutoring center. And she did end up passing the class, by the way. But in the middle of that semester, she was out sick for about a week. And when she came back after class, I went up and I hugged her and I said, I have missed you so much. And she said, you have? And I said, yes. I said, you are so fun and funny and upbeat. You bring, I didn't realize it till you were gone for a week, but this class is so quiet and boring and awful without you. Nobody talks, nobody laughs, nobody shares. And then you come back in and suddenly everyone's talking and sharing and laughing. I said, I didn't even realize how much you added to this class. And she got all teary and she said, I do all that? And I said, yeah, you do. And I wasn't trying to be like the teacher of the year, like you're special. I just really meant it because I hadn't realized it. And so even though she was going through that class thinking, I bring nothing, you know, to this, to this school, I shouldn't even be here. I can't even pass the developmental class. She has a very special gift of bringing people up and making people feel safe enough to laugh and share and connect. And I told her, I said, to me, that's a hell of a lot more important than understanding which pronoun to put where. Right. And so you're right. We all have our own special gift, and we need to find out what that is rather than listening to the ego who's telling us to check off this box or that box. Now, before we close out, let's just focus a, a little bit as we wrap up on, on the intuition because your intuition is always going to be quieter than your ego but it the messages are going to be kind loving and supportive the main thing though is that the message of your intuition remains constant and that's a really good way to figure out if this is my intuition or my ego the fears and the criticisms of your ego will change as you tackle one fear and overcome that it'll throw another one at you whereas your intuition will constantly give you the same gentle message. And a good way to hear your intuition is definitely what Denise suggested, you know, sleep on it. You can even write down a worry, a thought, a decision you're thinking about on a piece of paper and tuck it under your pillow. Leave it there for at least two weeks and you should get an answer in your dreams in that time. But another good way, because our intuition tends to live primarily in our heart and solar plexus, is just put one hand on your heart and one hand on your stomach and close your eyes. You can light a candle, you can hold a crystal in each palm, but put your palms over your stomach and your heart and just ask, what do I need to feel about this decision rather than what do I need to know? What do I need to feel about this decision? And think about a decision you're making where your ego is like, girlfriend, you are not heading in a good spot with this. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose friends. You're going to blah, blah, Move away from that. Go to your heart center. Go to your stomach center and ask, how will I feel if I take this leap of faith? And if it feels scary, but kind of a good scary, you know, that exciting feeling like, ooh, that's going to be scary, but I'm kind of excited. That's going to let you know your intuition is leading you that way. But if it feels truly scary, like, oh, I'm not ready for that, that's your intuition telling you, yes, but not now. It kind of reminds me, you know that old adage that every prayer is answered, but the answer is either yes, no, or not now? Right. Kind of, it's kind of like that. Your intuition will let you know, but it's going to be more on your feelings rather than your thoughts. That's an Anything you want to add about intuition that it can be easier to ignore at first but you really made a good point with it will keep coming back it will come through with uh, it might be a little more random it might be when you're not so obsessively concentrating on your answer to come through it might be that you uh all of a sudden you hear us it's very similar to getting getting a sign from spirit intuition will work on those same vibrations and frequencies of oh, I wonder what I should do about, and then later in the day you hear a song or see a picture or see something that clicks. It clicks that switch in your mind that says, okay, I am on the right track with making this decision. It can be so subtle that it's easier to miss at first. Yes, yes. 
Now, there's I was I've been listening to a book on Audible called The Miracle Club by Mitch Horowitz. It's a really good book if anyone's interested in learning more about manifesting from a really grounded, practical point of view. And in there, he's telling a story about the man who created AA. I can't remember his name. It's I think it's Bill something. Yeah, Bill but anyway. Was- he he had a friend who was also an alcoholic who is the one who really put all these ideas of dealing with sobriety from a spiritual perspective. And so the man who created AA credits his friend, really, with giving him this focus on spirituality. Now, obviously, he went on to success and created AA and had sobriety the rest of his life. His friend who inspired AA ended up dying from alcoholism. He went back to drinking and he was reflecting on why, you know, why this man who was rooted in spirituality for his sobriety would fall off the wagon where I would stay with it. And he realized it was because I wanted this from my soul with my whole soul. I wanted to be sober for me, for my soul. Whereas he thinks his friend wanted it more because other people wanted it for him. And that's a really good way to discern ego versus intuition too. Do you want whatever it is that you're thinking about, that you're trying to tune in and get extra guidance on, is this something you want for you, for your soul? Or is this something you want because other people, society expectations are telling you it's what you should want? Your intuition, remember, always goes within. Your ego projects. Your ego thinks, your intuition feels. The ego focuses on opinions and expectations and fears. The intuition focuses on your highest good and inner wisdom. Perfect. Is that a good checklist? Do you think we've covered most of it? I think we have, and there's a lot of really good information, and I hope people will will take time to do some reflection on this one and, and build up their stores of intuition a little bit. Me And look at the word intuition. It starts with in. The intuition, your intuition is always asking you to go in. The ego is always asking you to look out. So just go within, trust yourself. Remember that you are worthy of being intuitive. Remember that you are enough. And remember that we are each of us born with this innate ability to connect with our intuition. It is our God-given right to be intuitive. And the more you trust that, know that, and embrace it, the more easily you will start to feel, honor, and follow your intuition. So we thank all of our listeners who suggested this as a show because I think it is a needed show topic. We'd love to hear your feedback on this show. If you have other tips and suggestions for discerning intuition versus ego, or if you have a story of where you followed your intuition over your ego, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook. We are at Enlightened Empaths. Next week, please tune in. We have another listener-inspired show where we're going to be discussing the empath and anger. And again, like with the ego, we're going to talk about the good sides of anger, how it can be actually a motivating, helpful force for you, but also how to release, live with, work with, and heal anger. So we hope you tune in for that show as well. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. If you like this episode, please tell a friend or take a moment to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us and review us because it really does help other people to find us. And that's what Denise and I are trying to do is grow our community. Don't forget that on May 30th, we are offering a free webinar for anyone who is interested in our four-week mediumship 101 class. It's already filling up really, really, really fast. So if you want to check in with us on Thursday, May 30th at 7 p.m., you can either go to my website, samanthafay.com, or Denise's, thegratefulmessenger.com, and just click the link of webinars, and you'll see free webinar. And you can just click that, sign up, and then you'll get instructions in your email inbox on how to join us. Do you want to add anything about that webinar? We've had such good turnout already. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to share what the course is about. 
it's going to be very informational, uh, good, and it's free. So it's worth joining us to see if it's something you'd be interested in taking. Awesome. Any other things we need to remind people about? No, I think we're good. Okay. All right, great. Well, thanks, everybody. We hope this show has been helpful for you and giving you food for thought. As always, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.